Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. We've been talking about building up and being strengthened and moving ahead. Pastor Ann, Pastor Neil, and Pastor Jason all talked on different levels of being normal, what it's like to live a Christian life, what it's like to move out in that and just have a great place of dwelling. You know, as I thought about it so many times when I was sitting, listening, and taking notes these last few weeks and and, uh, believing to hear from the Lord how to bring us as a congregation to that next place. And I, I thought about often those times when I was gathering our children when they were small and getting them off to school. Now, we had children that had hair that was impossible. It didn't matter what you did, because when you have curly-haired children, it will not be tamed. You might take it for about two minutes and a lot of hairspray, but we went through a lot of hairspray and gel, and still to no avail. There was always that one little, you know, just, and, you know, and once they went to recess, it was gone anyway. But I'd do my best to get them out the door and look in some semblance of order. And usually my hair is standing on end, and I, often without makeup, which is not something I care to do. You know, I'm not here to scare the public. And so, you know, often that, that moment you're out, and, and I, everything was in a hurry, and there was always something going on after school, and piano lessons and whatnot, and, and always racing from here to there, and always kind of arriving. And I'd look, and there'd be this family. Ever met that family? perfect. They've all had breakfast. It's been wonderful. They had time for devotions and prayer together before they left the house. I had discipline and order before I left the house. Come on, we're running like that. You know? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And there'd come this family all ordered, hair perfect, every piece of clothing perfect, buttons done up correctly. I'd look and they'd be like all over the place. I had this vision that someday I might manage to have one day where I'd look like that family. <laughs> and then there came church. And that family was at church. <laughs> and I'd show up with our little ones. It was really special when I had a 13-year-old and a 3-year-old. That was a really unique year. If anybody knows anything about girls or raising them, you could understand that unique perspective. And there had come, and those same people who had the perfect children at school were there sitting there in church, all ordered, looking great. Now this time, I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm showing up here on it. Chris, we were setting up church and doing all those things, and I'm glad I just didn't smell bad, you know. I'd prayed, and we'd all prayed, and we'd done it on the road and all those things, but somehow we never looked like that little perfect bunch. And when we've talked about building and becoming normal and living the Christian life, I feel that there's a lot of folks who are going, I will never look like that. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. (laughs) And lots of times as we talk about growing up as, as believers, some people feel a pullback and say, there's a level I'm never gonna make. 
And God wants you to know with all that we've been singing this morning, he's got a different perspective for you. He's got somewhere for you and I to go that will be fit for us. And maybe your hair doesn't come out perfect or stand on end or uh, uh, whatever it is that is your tangle in the morning, he can undo it. Amen. And, and so I've thought about this scripture quite a bit, and I'm going to go on to another scripture in Romans, but I'm starting with Ephesians 1 and 18, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. There's a place where God wants to open our eyes to some different things. And sometimes what we see is very difficult because trust is something that is largely being pushed against and by a lot of different voices that people encounter. And trust is so vital to see a different perspective. And humility is part of the the other side of trust because it's humility that causes us to trust. Humility says, not me, but someone else. And so that's that key to trusting in a deeper fashion when you can be really, truly humble. And of course, that's something that's not that prevalent in our society either, especially when you're trying to be like someone else. And, and humility is, is not talked about very much, and it's kind of pushed to the side, not clearly understood. But C.S. Lewis, Lewis put it this way. He said, humility is not about seeing yourself lesser. It's not exactly the quote, but it's close. <laughs> he said, it's about seeing yourself less. Yeah. And so that's, that's something that we've got to see as believers, that God wants to take us to a place where we're not the first one on the pole and, and that we can come into a place with balance with this and have a happier life. There are some things that we get told scripturally and we feel that we've pulled ourselves out or we'll never make the mark or whatever mark that it is that we have set that we'll never attain. And so when the words come along that are correction or adjustments because we are already upset thinking we're not going to attain this level. We've set ourselves in a place where we're sort of angry and upset anyway. And so that when a corrective or a helpful word comes along, we're already ready to dismiss it. When I was a teenager, I was, well, I've always been kind of black or white, uh, although I'm wearing kind of beigey today. Um, I tend to be an either or. Whatever I do, I do it with all my might. Even if it's quiet, I'm being quiet with all my might. And some people know she's very quiet this morning. What does that mean? Danger zone. No. (laughs) It usually just means I'm thinking, which we don't do too much of that in our society either. And and, uh, I made the mistake of leaving one book at home, but I'll bring it next week. I, I found so many treasures as we've been moving my mom into our place. And one of them was a a book that had, it was from Billy Graham Society that had hymns and stories of hymns in it. And so many interesting things in there and many interesting stories. And I was reading them yesterday and just enjoying how the perspectives have changed and some of them have not. (laughs) I'll share some of those things in the next few months, I'm sure. But it was so interesting, the perspective, and seeing from a different perspective. If God's going to open our eyes, we're going to have to admit that what we're seeing is not sufficient. But what he wants us to see is something above that we've not considered yet. And that's going to require trust. I realize if I'm going to learn from someone else's mistakes, it's going to require great trust. 
Great trust. Why do I say that? Because we as people just want to try a little bit. And as much as we laugh about, you know, Thomas wanting to stick his finger in Jesus' side, there's a place we all want to stick our finger in Jesus' side. But we don't like to admit that. Just a little bit. If I could just touch his outside body, maybe I could see the blood, or maybe I could get close enough to smell the blood that was running out. Right? And what do I mean by that, Pastor? Well, there's a place where if someone makes an error in, in how they are preaching, for instance, and they, they have a style and it's not very good and they're not very uh, skilled in, in making a message and they say, well, you know, I learned to, that I've got to do a study in a different fashion. And you say, well, that's your way. That's not how it works with me. That's touching it just a little bit. What if they make a mistake about a person? And they said, you know, I, I used to trust so-and-so, and, and, and they were a very nice person, but their words did not make right with their actions. They were separate from each other. And while they would say a great thing, they never followed through. And you think, well, I know so-and-so. They seem like a nice person to me. And so you thought, well, perhaps I'll just get to know them better. You don't know them like I do. Touch. Why don't we trust that person who's trying to warn us? Why don't we do that? Well, we just want to know for ourselves just a little bit. That's an area where you see trust. You're going to have to trust someone else's experience more than your own in an area of unknown. That's, that's dangerous territory. We don't like to do that. We like to check it out and see for ourselves. And this kind of mentality has been encouraged and come upon us a little bit by little bit, kind of like spiders. You know, there's evidence of spiders because you see their webs, you never see the thing, but one day it shows up and you kill it. You know it's there because you've seen the webs. And there's been things that are happening slowly where trust is being pushed down just a little bit here, pushed down a little bit here. Well, that pastor they fell, or that person said they were Christian, they didn't live that way. Uh, I, I tried, you know, to come to church every Sunday, but it just didn't work for me. I'm not really sure if I can trust the pastor. The last pastor hurt me. This leadership did that. That person did that at church. And it begins to eat away. It's like disintegrating trust at the altar of offense. And I see this. Why? Why would trust be so under attack? Because trusting God is the best we've got. When we trust God, we can see things from a new vision, from a new way, and from a new perspective. He takes us into the place. Pastor Ann said in that word this morning about seeing things, I thought, ooh, we should go and preach where we're going today. We want to see things from his perspective, but the only way we can see from perspect his perspective is if we trust God more than ourselves. And we're going to have to admit then that what we know may not be perfect and may have error in it, which is shocking, absolutely shocking. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It says, For by the grace unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate or think of yourself more highly than he ought to, 
not to have exaggerated the opinion of his own importance, which I thought was really cool. But to rate his ability with each sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned to him by God. There's this place, you see, where God's calling us to look beyond what we know and to not think of ourselves more highly. I've got the answer for this. I can handle it. Is every time that you absolutely will. And when it only goes so far or it's limited, now you at least know why. Now, there's times when messages like this, they kind of, well, they're, they're touching your home zone, you know? And that's right. And it's touching the uncomfortable realm of what you know that you've been relying on for a long time, which is you. And, and until we say, okay, God, you've got to come in my home zone. You've got to come and touch me in the places I've guarded carefully where I know I can at least trust myself. And the places where I got hurt that I've kept people out, we've got to let him in that zone so that he can make those adjustments because I don't want to think of myself more highly than I ought to. I want to hear his higher thoughts. I want to know his higher ways, and I want to be able to walk in them. But I'm going to have to trust him more than what I know. And that's dangerous thinking because the older we get, the more we attain knowledge, the more things we have learned and our intellect grows and those things are true. But we want to step into them and think, I got this. I know how to handle that. Well, what if there is a better way? What if there is? What if everything you've been doing that seems so perfect and you're good at it and you're skilled and you have results, and what if there is an even higher way? Can we not see it? A more efficient way. Now, we pray and we say, God, show me. Give me an answer. And then something comes and we take ownership. That's special. <laughs> I was praying about a specific solution with a, teaching a phone skill to my mom and teaching about texting. And I prayed, how can I help her? How can I help her? I got this idea on the, and that I would record my voice and say, you have a text message so that she would know that she had a text message and look at that on her phone instead of just answering it. I thought, whoo, brilliant. And then I realized it wasn't my own. I'd been praying for an answer. The answer came, but I couldn't take ownership of that. That was an answer I would not have thought of, honestly. Now, somebody who is younger may have come up with that idea <laughs> by recording a voice message and putting it as a notification was not in my normal realm. <laughs> so that was God. And it would be wise to give him credit. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I want to operate in wisdom. Amen. So I had to realize and I had to take a, a leap and say, okay, this is better than what I know. When I was a teenager, and I was about 14 now, like I was saying, I was kind of, you know, very intense. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. God has begun to speak to me. I know I've been called to the ministry. And he's made that sure. God spoke to me very strongly in September 1974 about a call to ministry. And I was very excited to receive that call. And, and I began praying about it and reading my Bible. I had a Strong's. I was looking things up. I was excited. And, uh, and the Lord had showed me that, that, that Barry was going to be my husband. But Barry at that time was not saved. But when he wanted to date me, I said, yeah, because that was the will of God. I knew God had talked to me. I had heard God. I knew this was his plan. I was solid in that thing. I saw ahead. 
I knew what was going to, you know. And, and the pastors took me aside, called officers in the Salvation Army. They called me at, 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 into their office one day after church, said, we want to talk to you. And they said, the word of God's very clear. We know you're, you're studying to be a pastor, to, you know, in, and to enter college, officer's college. But this person you're dating is not saved. And you know that the word of God tells you to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And this is dangerous territory, and you don't have, you will not influence him more than he will influence you. And I smiled at them, said okay, and promptly went out the door and ignored everything they said. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I know better than you. I have a call of God in my life. I'm praying and reading my Bible every day. I will be a greater influence. And they were right, and I was terribly wrong. <laughs> And it was a terrible mess. And about a year and or so later, I broke up with Barry because I wanted to honor God. And it was very hard because I really believed he was my husband. But as long as he was not saved, I knew I wasn't going to win him. I couldn't missionary date, some people call that. Missionary dating, is that, is that what you call that? Yeah, missionary dating, go out with the unsaved, get them saved. No, it doesn't work that way. They will pull you to their side. There's something about what happens when you look into their eyes and you're dating them that <laughs> everything goes blurred. <laughs> and salvation seems on the back bench that day. <laughs> and it wasn't a twinkle either. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My mom also believed in my father that he was, he was to be my husband. And so my mom took up the task of writing to him and sending him material, he w moved out of town to follow his, his career path. And she kept saying, and, and one day on the road, he got to the side of the road and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was glad. <laughs> but I was dating someone else because I gave up on the promise of God. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew better. I found someone who had a call of God on their life, and they were going to Bible school, and everything looked really cool, and, and his parents were pastors. This seemed like the right deal. It lined up, and I showed God and talked to God about it. I said, look what I have found. It fits this plan. So I came home at Christmas in between uh, the mission work I was doing, and they locked him in the cupboard and fed him water and bread and made him fast, <laughs> the fella, <laughs> their son, because they wanted to come to his senses because they'd been praying, and they said I was not the one, and they <laughs> locked him in a room <laughs> so he could hear God. His parents did. And so he phoned me up about five days. And I thought, why isn't he phoning me? This is so weird, you know? We were talking about getting married. And, and you know, he, he tells me, I'm sorry. This is it. You know, I, I fasted. I've heard from heaven. You know, I'm not your husband. There will be someone good for you. Two days later, um, my brother, who Barry was good friends with my brother, he arranged for us all to go out somewhere. 
and and we all went to a movie and before I headed back on the road as mission work and and so we all went out and that night my Barry says to me you know what I love you and let's let's fix this so off we went and the rest is history and this year will be 39 years amen <laughs> and so what I'm telling you is about the trust Many times when God's spoken in my life, I tried to make his plan work. I tried to show God my perspective. I tried to trust God on my level and my understanding. And, and I was not humble in that. I was thinking of myself in the vision. Had I thought of myself in the vision, I would never be a pastor today. Because being a pastor is, is an interesting thing. And uh, it, it requires often qualities that I didn't know that God had placed in me. But when I began to see where he was leading, that it was higher than what I could have even imagined or thought at that time, I went, whoa, this is different. God's taking me somewhere that he wants to take every one of us. He wants to see every one of us outside of the things we thought were right. You see, if you had grown up in a Jehovah's Witness or something like that, they all think they're right because that's what they know. And so it's easy for us looking on the outside, well, they're Jehovah's Witness, they're a cult, da 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 da. Or maybe they grew up Catholic and didn't have a full understanding of the Word of God that we, we, the way that we do now with all of its mistakes. But no matter how we've grown up, there can be adjustments that God needs to make because we as people, we like really tight lines and boundaries that we can tick the box all the time because we want to be right. We don't like to be mistaken. And all of these things are part of that little disintegration of trust because then we're putting the emphasis on what we can do as long as we can tick the box and know we've done well, right? Then we are in charge. But there's times, and there's times in all of our life where God wants to take us to a different level, where he can really be the king and the Lord of our life. Now let's look at 2 Kings. It's a very interesting thing here with uh, Elisha. A few chapters, I highly encourage going through the book of, of Kings and seeing uh, Second Kings especially where uh, Elijah and Elisha are, are having wonderful miracles and, and how they heard from heaven and how it built such a place in the people of God, an opportunity to hear outside themselves, an opportunity to hear and to see things they would have never known or seen, and, and such a reputation both of them had among the kings of the land to watch out for them. The kings of the land were going, look out, because this guy, he will know what you're saying when you're not there. He can hear God. God talks to him about secrets you think that no one knows. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of people that Elijah and Elisha were. And in 2 Kings 6, 8, it says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel said, look out. He said, this is where the Syrians are making a camp. So the king of Israel sent to the place where the man of God told him and warned him of. 
and saved him there. So he was protected. The king of Israel got to uh, understand and know what the, it, the Syrians were doing. And it was very upsetting for the king of Syrians because the king of Syria wanted to defeat Israel. And there's a place where this world wants to come in and defeat us, where things that are little, and they say, how is it those Christians keep getting by? I'm doing the same thing. I do good things. I give to cancer. I give to this and I give to that. How come the cancer or the Christians in my office are doing better than I am? How come they get favor when I get nothing? Hmm. Because God knows what's going on and he knows how to get you into the right place. That's how. And so he says, therefore, the heart, he says, and uh, verse 10, and the king of Israel sent to the place where the man God told him, warned him of him, saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled. He was choked over it. There are days coming when the government's going to be sore choked at the church. And so should they be if they're not following God. How is it that they always know and we're one step ahead of them? It's time we were. This is the place where God calls us to be, ahead of what's going on in the government. We should know always what's going to happen before it does. Now, those of us who've been in the prayer meeting, there was times that people said, do you know what's going to happen in the next election? I said, well, I don't like it, but I believe the Lord said there's going to be a minority government. And people didn't like it, so we didn't talk about it much. Because they didn't like the message. But he, so, he told us ahead of time, he told us ahead of time. So we shouldn't be freaking out. Amen? And there are other things he wants to tell us ahead of time. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He thinks. The king of Syria thinks. He's got trouble in his own camp. That someone's talking to the Israelites. He thinks he's got a spy. <laughs> yeah, let them all be revealed. And so that's why he says, which one of you's on their side? Because that's the only thing he's got. He only has natural information. And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that's in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in the bedroom. Things that you think are secret. Now, it's a good thing for the rest of us that we get this warning because God knows what's going on in your bedroom, too. And so we get the bonus of fixing it before the enemy finds out. Amen. So if you've got trouble in your bedroom, fix it. And if you can't fix it on your own, get someone who knows how to fix it and help you because there are all kind of trouble going on in the bedrooms of the church today. Amen. And we need to get these things straight. And, and I, I'll tell you now, and I'll warn you, by the Spirit of God, this oversexed generation we have needs some repairing in their heads. Right? We need to get it straight. And bless the Lord, we've got time to get it right before Jesus returns. Amen? Amen. Enough said about that? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? No sex outside of marriage. I don't care what the world says. I don't care how much you think you're in love. I don't care what this guy did and the other guy did. I don't care. 
No sex outside of marriage. It's called fornication. The Bible speaks against it. Everybody worried about this kind of sin, that kind of sin, the other kind of sin, homosexuality, this kind of da, 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 da. And we need to come back to the place where we're not turning a blind eye to people uh, living common law. It is not God. Neither is lying. Doesn't matter what color it is, white, black, green, yellow. Lies a lie. We don't lie. We don't lie. God knows what's going on in your bedchamber. Wasn't planning on going this way, but the Holy Ghost wants to apparently talk to you about this today. Amen? If you're feeling uncomfortable, it's, you, you need to repent. That's just how you fix that. Amen? Fix it. Fix it. How do you fix it? God, I'm really sorry. Not that I got caught, but I don't want this in my life anymore. Yeah. Amen? You won't feel uncomfortable then. You'll be going, Phew, I feel better. You feel better. The trouble is when you begin to do these things. God didn't make a bunch of rules so that you could have a happy rule day. You know, and all, you know. oh, look, we're all obeying the rules. Oh, we're not. Da, da, da. We're going party so we you know, get drunk and don't know the rules anymore. That's not the way he wants you to live. <laughs> it, it, the things are there to help us so that we'll have good, wholesome relationships with each other. And when, when there's no lying in your relationship, guess what happens? You trust each other. <laughs> Amen. Lie disintegrates trust. It's another disintegrator. Disintegrates it. Because then they feel that there's betrayal involved. Tell the truth to each other, but not in a brutal kind of weird way. Hi, by the way, I'm cheating on you. You know, that's... You know, if that's the case, let's find a better way to do that. Amen? Like, repent first, get it right with God, and God will help you deal with that. There is a place where that can be fixed. Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's not be harsh in our truth-telling either. Find a way to do it through the Lord's mercy and grace. Amen? When we got stuck on that bedchamber business, let's hope we get out of the bedroom. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 13, and he said, go and spy where he is. This is the king of Syria, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, yeah, you know what? He, he wasn't going to have a, like a little happy meeting. Hey, you want to tell me what's going on? I'm going to kill him. That's, that's the plan. He says, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he, he thither horses, chariots, and a great host. And they came by night and encompassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early... And God forth, that's Gehazi, that's the, his servant. He comes back in a panic. Ah, there's horses and chariots everywhere. They're going to kill us. They know where we are. And I believe that God's got this warning out for us right now. That's the way we feel about the government and our situation in Canada. There are horses and chariots everywhere. Persecution's coming. Well, first of all, we don't even know what persecution is. We've been lulled into a place where we think challenges that are anti-covenant challenges are persecution. What do I mean by that, Pastor? What I mean is, oh, I had a sick day. I had a bad leg. And, and that's a real challenge. I'm being persecuted for the word's sake. No, you're not. <laughs> Something's coming against your covenant promises of Jesus Christ. Stand on the word. Kick the thing once, twice. Get a few hands laid on you and push that thing out of your way. Amen? Amen. 
Can you get a miracle that easy? Absolutely. Time to not get lazy, but it's not persecution. Persecution for the word's sake is when you went out there, you preached the gospel and somebody threw rocks at you or tried to whip you or throw you in jail. That's persecution. There are people losing their lives for preaching the gospel's sake. I was blessed last year so many times to meet people who their lives are threatened every day for preaching the gospel in the cities that they're in. And and they're having coming from underground churches and, and areas like that. I've met people who've gone to jail for the word's sake. That's not having a challenging day where you felt the pressure of the devil batting you around in your brains. I had a really bad day with depression. You know, we all have to deal with things that aren't the Lord, that are against the word of God, but that is not persecution. And so when we said, oh, persecution's coming, they're not going to let us speak. Oh, yes. I will continue to speak, and I hope so all of you will, too. It wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're going to have to deal with me. Amen? And I'm not backing down. I have a great company. And you're not going to back down either. Amen? And they're going to be saying things like, what in the world? How did they know this was coming down? How did they get ahead of us in this? How did they know? How did they know what we were going to do next? It doesn't matter what bill gets passed. It doesn't matter. How can that possibly line up or measure against the supernatural, all-powerful God? Seriously. Seriously. You want to stand against almighty God? Get a grip. Or at least buckle up. (laughs) He's your shield and my buckler, amen. (laughs) I am buckled on this horse and I am riding through, amen. It was so easy. The answer was so easy. But why couldn't we see it? We couldn't trust God to give us a bigger picture. We couldn't trust God to show us what was coming. We couldn't trust him to say, hey, you know what? He might just have this thing before we even knew, before we knew. He had it done before we knew, before we knew. But you see, we've been relying on ourselves so well. What a trick. And it's been slow, a slow erosion of trust, a slow erosion of what we know is true. We don't really trust that person. What if they lead you wrong? Well, has anybody considered what would happen if they lead you right? We're so afraid to follow. What if they lead us over a cliff? Well, so far, I don't want to jump over one either. Okay, let's all get up today and die. That's not my theory. I'm not looking to do something that nutty. I'm not looking to test God if I jump off Patella Bridge, if he'll save me. And I don't expect any of you would follow me there. It's funny, but I do know someone who jumped off that bridge and did live, (laughs) but uh, they landed in the mud. There's a lot of silt underneath, and they didn't go into the middle. They were sort of at the edge because now they have railings and stuff, but they did jump over and live. They weren't quite right in the head afterwards, but they did live, and after some ministry, they did much better. True story. (laughs) Broke their legs, but um, praise the Lord. They were suffering terribly, and that's no joke, and they were tormented. And they ran off the bridge. Can we follow? 
can we follow? Or has trust been so eroded that we can't even follow one little step that says there's something bigger? Amen. There's something beyond what you know. Can you enter the unknown realm that's being presented of a bigger place? Can you enter the place where you see your friend who has been unsaved and cantankerous, your whole knowing of them? Can you see them born again? Could you see them saved? I mean, some people it's really hard to imagine. Some people it's really hard to imagine them not living a party lifestyle anymore. As, as Pastor Ann was saying about lifestyle change is probably some of the biggest change since, sincerely. Sincerely, can we really go to that level that's burning inside of us? Don't you have a place inside that says there feels like there's something more? Can we go there together or will it just be few? Do you have a burning inside, an insatiable thing that maybe you can't even put words to? But you say you're so glad that you were made for such a time as this. There's something inside. Why am I still here? I'm still here because I have a purpose. I've got a job to do on this earth. I might be praying for the next Billy Graham. I might be praying for that next person who gets out of a wheelchair. Maybe I didn't lay hands on them, but I prayed for them. Hallelujah. Maybe I've been praying that depression gets broken over our nation and people are not under the cloud of that heaviness any longer, that we realize that it can be healed just like any other Amen. what is it that you've been called to do what is stirring in your heart can you feel and will you react or will you respond to the call inside Gehazi was a mess when he looked with his natural eyes when he looked with his natural normal untrusting eyes now I want to tell you a little bit about Gehazi, a couple of chapters before that. There is a tremendous miracle with Naaman. He is not even the right king, and Jesus heals him. And Gehazi gets lured by money and gets found out about taking the money because Naaman offered money and clothes for, for the healing and Elisha didn't want anything to do it. But Gehazi, his servant, heard and went back and tried to get that money. And you know, you'd think, you know, operating beside a prophet that knows what's going on in the bedroom, you'd think he'd have two, like maybe a little bit of doubt going on that he wouldn't be found out, but no, and he gets found out. So here is Gehazi again with another opportunity to trust the word of God, to trust the prophet who's standing in his rightful place, to trust the voice that knew what was going on everywhere. And Gehazi is forced into a place of choice. Should he look with his eyes or should he lean to the ear of the voice of the prophet of the time? I'm telling you, there are people here today, not just here, I mean here as a broad sense of the church, that are standing in this valley of decision. Will I trust myself more than the voice of God? And sadly, too many choose the voice of themselves. 
And then they suffer. And then they cry. And then they phone the church. But there is a place, if you will dare to look up and ask the prophet of God when you're in trouble. And the prophet of God is just the voice of the, the time. You can all hear God for yourself. But if you cannot, go to someone who can and trust what they have to say. And so when Gehazi gets in contact with Elisha, he says, he says, a servant said unto him, Alas, master, what should we do? And isn't that the place of many today? What are we going to do? We're surrounded. We're not going to be able to preach the gospel. Now, most of you have met here my brother in the Lord, Pastor Yvonne Stabile. And he's ministering. His church is in Montreal. They wanted to have a healing meeting. But already in Quebec, you're not allowed to advertise healing meetings. You're not allowed to put that on the brochure that you will be praying for, for the sick to be healed. You are not allowed to do that. So he says, pray for me, sister, because we're having a healing meeting and I'm advertising it. <laughs> and that's why he's my brother. <laughs> you see, we're going to still do what God has told us to do. And he advertised it. And there's been nothing. Absolutely. Nothing. It was like, no big deal. Why? They all know Pastor Yvonne. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They're not afraid. He's not afraid. Master, what should we do? We're going to do what God says to do. That's what we're going to do. And we're not going to be shaken, and we're not going to move, and we're not going to freak out. We're not going to, like, run out for the hills. Amen. And he says, verse 16, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they have with them. Always. Like, always. Always. We have an army. And they're not dressed in diapers. And they're not carrying around little arrows. It's not Cupid. And they're not babies. And they're not people who've died and gone to heaven. Angels are their own separate creature. And they're set there to help us and to uphold covenant for us and to protect us and do what God said. You don't have to worry. They're not got little harps either. We got all kinds of crazy ideas. Why do you think the devil makes those ideas broad across the spectrum? Why do you think so? Because they want to make God small. This is what angels are. They're funny little guys, and they go like, you know, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh, it just, and, and at this time of year, more ridiculous than ever. Let me tell you something. And if arrow comes and it's got a thing that gives you a potion that makes you fall in love, it's not God. <laughs> it's my word about that. Just, just get me riled. Angels are big and strong and warring. 
And they love it when I, when I quote the word. They love it when you quote the word and I say, Phew. Oh, man, I feel Matthew 11, 12 coming on. <laughs> the righteous taken of the word, 25. And, and it says, you know, the, the oh, shalabaka. Oh, we're going to take this down. And we begin to say, oh, this is my covenant. This is what he's promised me. God's promised me healing. God's promised me deliverance. Oh, he's my mighty deliverer. Oh, hallelujah. And the angels go, where did we go? <laughs> I said, that way. <laughs> I'm coming clear a path. They go, okay. Because they'll protect me lest my foot dash a stone. They're going to make sure the stones are out of the way so I can run. God said, go, I'm going. And they're removing the stones. Don't be one. Amen. Stones, rocks of offense, all those things. Amen. Don't be a weapon and don't be a stone. Amen. Only the stones that cry out. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and he says he answered and he prayed and said lord help guys no he didn't do that aren't you glad aren't you glad he didn't go Phew, that's again god why did you give me this servant he didn't do any of that which i sometimes think see that's our measure of god we're thinking oh these people oh god why'd you give me those disciples why'd you give me those crazy people no he gave us and made us who we are he knows who we are and he knows we can win and Elijah prays and he says, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. He saw. And it's time we saw from heaven's perspective. It's time we saw his glory. And I've been saying, God, show me your glory. You promised, oh God. You promised. You said Jesus was praying that we'd see your glory. That we would walk in your glory. Not so that I can show off. That's crazy talk. That's so that the world will know that he is God. Show us your glory. Let it be manifested in this place. Let it be so thick with his presence. And anyone who comes only sits a moment and they know he's here. Because he is. And he always has been. But our eyes have been shut. Because we weren't sure we could trust him. But a God who's omnipresent never leaves. He cannot. So if you cannot see him and you cannot feel him, it's time to open your eyes. Hallelujah. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Would you open their eyes this day? For those who have not been able to see. Who've not known you've been right there. Right there beside them. God, this day as I pray, would you open their eyes? That they may see your glory. Your divine protection. Your call. May it be clear. May the roadblocks be removed today. And let the bedrooms be cleansed. And let 
that place that's caused the distrust like a net that's come down over many and felt like you've been trapped in the circle, trapped in the net of distrust for many came. Many came with words. Many came with turns on the word that weren't correct. Many came and drew some with almost like a carrot, like a bait, pulled you into another realm, says the Lord. Some have been pulled out because of a, that lure. And that lure came in an area that was very precious to you that you had tucked away. And you thought it was the Lord because you thought no one knew, but you'd uttered those things with your mouth. And the devil knew. The devil knew, and he lured you out. And he lured you in a place where you would never trust again. And the Lord wants to restore those places of trust. For there are many things coming that he needs you to hear and he needs you to see. And as you're able to have the net dissolved through the blood of Jesus, you'll see these things that have been waiting for you. And it's like there's been this great table prepared, just waiting. You knew it was there. You knew in the inside there was a table prepared for you, but it always seemed so just out of reach. And the reason it seemed so out of reach were by the limitations that you'd placed there by your own self. The places where you thought, that can't be for me, God, Jesus. That can't be for me. I'm like this, Lord, don't you know? That can't be for me. I'm so comfortable now where I am. I'm content. But the Lord says you can rest in that if you want to, but you don't have to. You can rise out of the contentment and come into the fire. But it's not a fire that will burn you. It's a fire that will send you, says the Lord. For there are things coming governmentally that might shake some and might cause them to question again the things that the Lord has promised. But if you'll always look up and let him see, he'll show you and you need not ever be afraid, says the Lord. There are changes coming governmentally. Things are beginning to crack. There's a crack coming that I see in the structure. And for a time, things will seem very unsteady. And some will say, what are we going to do? And there'll be a panic in some. And, and people who were knowing about God but not knowing him will enter into a time of, of distress. But these are just rumors, says the Lord. They're just rumors. They're just rumors. My truth shall remain and carry you through. You'll know what to do, for I'll show you and I'll reveal it to you. And there will be peace always. There will be peace always. There will be peace always. You need not be afraid. You need not be afraid. For there are many with you that you have not seen yet, but they're with you. There is a rising up that's coming. A new unity, a fresh unity that's coming. Where people stand together, like has been promised but yet unseen. And it's coming in very short order, says the Lord, it's coming. And not in the way that people suspected or by the path that people had projected. But it's coming, says the Lord. And you'll see it in your time. You'll see it in your time. And it'll bring a great peace. For you'll know that was the mark. 
That was the mark. But it didn't come the way you thought it would. And you didn't come down the pathway that you thought it would take. But it came. And it was there. And it was there not as an end, but as a beginning. For here shall be the launch pad. And from this place, many things will occur. And it will cause an uprising and doors opening that have yet and were closed. But God's going to open doors that were so long closed. And you'll walk into them and you say, okay, I was ready. He did prepare me. Now, the, now I go. Now I go. And it's just like that. And it's just so easy. And it's just so easy. And it's just so easy. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you prepare the way. We thank you, Lord, you set the way. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You've prepared us for all the days that are to come. We thank you for setting us in this place for such a time as this. And we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I prodanda e brossa cacciate mangeleste, bramando de sococidee, prodando rossicentere. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, let's just stand up and begin to thank Him. He's spoken some things that are very important today. Hallelujah. 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 Bramando do cosibre amande, i brosciando rovasciate brecchestere, prostom brecchestere cacciere. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Lord. Yeah, just thank him. We thank you for the calls that are being stirred this day. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. You begin to thank him for what he's put inside of you. That you'll know your time. That you'll know your time. And for those who are needing that new change of behavior, that who belonging to break free of that old pathway, that worn out pathway, the one that you thought was so right and so comfortable, we thank you today that new pathways, new pathways, new lifestyles, the one that you were hoping for, the one that you thought, oh, that's too hard for me, the one that seemed above and beyond. We thank you, Lord, it's being done right now for all those who can lay hold, all those who choose this day, all those who choose. Hallelujah. Rossignete. Thank you, Lord. You just thank him for it. I speak to limitations in Jesus' name. I thank you. They fall to the ground now. Now. Now in Jesus' name. Nets that have caught people in offenses. I call you destroyed by the blood of Jesus. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for wholeness. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W3B1.